How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another amazing edition of Inside Business Podcast. I'm here. You got me, your man, Mac, a.k.a. Mac the VC, Mac Conwell. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Liam. Yes, I screwed up a little bit earlier in there, but it's okay, Liam. Still pass it to you. Yeah, double double episode, although no one will know this. This will come out a week after the last one, but back to back suddenly sprung on me, but uh, we're going for this. We are going for this. We are doing a double header. You will not know that because whenever you get this, it'll probably be a week after the last one that came out. But anyway, we got an amazing episode today. We got like another special guest coming on today. You know, we don't do guests too often, but you know, we got these two special episodes before. But before we get into that, let's give a shout out to our amazing sponsors, Flatfile and Dell. Did you know that Dell Technologies has a department just for you, the entrepreneur? You can visit dell.com forward slash startups or email startups at dell.com to learn more and take advantage of some of their free offerings. Flatfile knows that onboarding and migrating B2B data is a pain. Enter Flatfile Concierge. No code, collaborative workspaces for importing B2B data. Get access today at flatfile.io. All right, now let's get into this episode. All right, folks. So, you know, I teased it earlier, but we got an amazing guest today. This is this one's a little special for me because uh, this is a founder I've known for years. I have been lucky enough to be an investor in his company, both at my previous firm and now out of rare breed. Um, This young man is brilliant. And we're going to have a conversation with him around growth hacking and and building your early and getting customers and customer acquisition. When I tell y'all customer acquisition is my jam, like, like when I met him and he told me what he did, it was like the easiest investment I ever made. And he has continued to make me look smart. So I am thankful. So please, please, please welcome Femi to the stage. Femi, can you please tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself to the world, please. <clears throat> hey, uh, I'm Femi, the CEO of Path. Uh, path.me. We're trying to create a world where young people like no longer stress about money um, by making like every single interaction we have with it stupidly easy, starting with paying for college to building your credit to saving and making it. Um, recently just closed up a $17 million seed round comprised of equity and debt and uh, have about a thousand members today who are paying more for a path membership than a Amex Platinum membership. Uh, and uh, happy to be here and, and chat user acquisition with you, Mac. Well, let's, let me take a step back just because I'm going to fawn all over this young man because he is not only another black founder who's from Baltimore. So, you know, my hometown shout out. Um, when me and my team made our first investment, he was 17 y'all. I met him when he was 16. Like I met him in like high school events. You know how people like speakers go to events and go like the, to go hype up the high schoolers and be like, hey, you could be something one day. Like that was me. And he was in the crowd. Really wow, right? Um, who then went on to raise money from a from a lot of influential folks out of New York, also went to YC. Paul Graham is also personally an investor in this company. Like this, this young man's done a lot. He's only 21. Like, Liam, what were you doing when you were 21? Like you weren't raising money from Paul Graham. 
Nah, the 21, I think we closed our first seed round, but that was only 100K from uh, an angel in the UK. So nothing nothing compared to what uh, Fairy's doing. And when I was 21, I was like writing code for the government. So like y'all both have me beat. But um, thank you for being on Femi. And so, you know, I always tell this story about you because like you are like the growth hacking king. Like the one thing I've never had to worry about with you was like, the, you getting customers like customer acquisition has never been an issue for you, which is weird because it's an issue for everybody else. Where does that come from? Like, why are you such like the, the, the customer acquisition wizard? Like, tell people a little bit about like how you got into customer acquisition and, and, and growth hacking. Because like you've been doing this like well before I met you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, a lot of high, high praise. I, I think for us, like a lot of people like overcomplicate it. Like if you've created something that, uh, that has a lot of value and can like make someone's life better or make them more money, then you should be like on top of like, like you should be on the rooftop shouting about it because you're actually doing people a disservice by, by not letting them know about this, uh, this piece of value that you've, you've now brought into the world. And, and so for us, like it was always just about like going to where our customers are and, very bluntly telling them the the value that we provide them, uh, whether it's like the very one of the very first times um, we were like broke college dropouts living in New York, all we could do is build product and had no money to try and acquire customers through paid acquisition channels, and so we'd found like a a flaw in Venmo's API that allowed us to to scrape a bunch of usernames and. Um, built ourselves a, a pretty large list of, of names. And then we would send people out a cent and say, hey, if you need more money, go sign up for, for ScholarMe, which was the name of the company at the time. Uh, very funny, like that actually got us even more customers because people would then screenshot the uh, the one cent, user, uh, one cent uh, message that, that we sent to, to them on Snapchat and Instagram. And, and then like more people would find out about us. I remember, uh, one of my cousins randomly sending me a, a Instagram DM saying, "Hey, I think I just saw like your company on my my friend's Facebook feed." <laughs> it was like, yeah, we I mean we we went to where our customers were, which is Venmo, and uh, we used it as a channel that like like it's a very large social channel. People go on Venmo to see what their friends are sending to each other, and we just decided to use it as a channel to get get our message out. I'll never forget the moment you tried to explain to me that Venmo was a social media app. I remember thinking to myself, like, I've never considered that, but I, I, I guess that's a true thing. That's a true <laughs> statement, right? Like, I, I just never considered it. And so, like, I, I always remember thinking that was, like, the most genius thing I'd ever heard. Like, sending people a message to say, hey, here's a penny. And if you want more money, for, for here's a penny for college. If you want more, check out our website. Like, that's kind of nuts. Right. But then, you know, I would love for you to like just break down to like a lot of our audience are early stage founders, like first time founders, founders who are looking to raise, founders who are interested in like how you make this stuff work. Can you talk a little bit about just like how you think about customer acquisition? Right. Like like you've you've always kind of had like this program pro programmatic approach. And that's also because for those who don't know, you have you're an engineer at heart. But you're, you're not like a hardcore, I'm going a, I'm to a dive into all this code and getting the big O and all that kind of stuff. Like you could do that, but like you're an engineer who's a tinker, right? Like I would, I would classify you as a tinker. Like you, you can quickly and easily like 
you give you, if I gave you a week, you could probably build just about anything. It ain't going to be perfect, but you can build just about anything if I gave you a week, right? Yeah. So, like, talk about, like, just the way your brain processes the idea of, like, how to gain customers. Yeah, it's it's actually very similar, like, um, the idea of, like, tinkering. Like, we, like, we've always been really opposed to that idea of, like, a, a massive launch, per se, and, like, we're going to spend months building out a marketing campaign and such. We, we've always looked at things as very, like, what is the smallest version of this test that we can get out the door as, as quickly as possible and then see how people respond to it. And if people respond to this messaging that will like go deep and spend uh, more time figuring out how do we get this out at, at the largest scale. Um, so, so I'd say that for, for early stage folks, like I, I can't say too much on uh, B2B acquisition, but on, on B2C, a lot of it is just really nailing down like the, the core messaging of, uh, of the value that you're providing to folks when you're like so deep in building product and writing code you it's super easy to forget that like what you think is valuable and what your your end customer thinks is value valuable may be two very different things you might be focused on the speed of how you uh provide a piece of value when in reality your, your customer is more focused on like the mode of which they think that they can capture that value from you um and so B2C are always like thinking about, okay, like how can I explain this, this thing in a very easy way that uh, my own personal rule is, could I tell my mom the value that we're providing and she could explain it to her friends and her friends would want to sign up. Uh, and we, and then we test this through everything from like Facebook ads to uh, my, um, my good friends. He, uh, Caleb Cross used to run marketing for, for us at Scholarme, and uh, he was a king of getting anything to go viral on Twitter. And the, the trick was always just like, what's the smallest nugget of value that we can uh, put into a tweet? So you had only 280 characters. And then uh, we'd work with all these micro-influencers in the same industry to, to retweet within the first 30 minutes of that tweet going live. And if that messaging like connected with people, we would find that five ten thousand people would retweet that post within within hours and so that's how we actually just tested all these different small pieces and then at the end we would then bring everything together and do like a proper large campaign do you find that like this process of communicating your message and figuring out what people want is more of a one-way street in that it's the testing you were just talking about so you come up with a whole bunch of messages you throw them out there and see what sticks or do you treat it sometimes more of a two-way street where you actually go and you try to talk to customers, talk to people who might be using it and see how they would explain your idea to their friends, family, and then try to, you know, use those same words or, you know, value propositions. Yep. Yep. It's, we look at it as two-way street. We have things that we think are, are worthwhile, but then sometimes the, the trick is just like talk to your users and, and learn how to like shut up at times and just let them like spill and spill and spill. And, and usually we'll find uh at least one or two good snippets that is like, ah, I, I fully get why you like look at the product or think about the product in this way. And I bet that there's thousands of other people just like you who, who, who would describe it in the same manner. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's quite a two-way street. Like we have our own formulations and uh, our, our members who are paying us for the product also have their own ways of describing. So that, it's very interesting because, you know, um, in the earlier episode or in another episode, we have a conversation with um, Vernon Coleman from Real Time. And when he talks about customer acquisition, he talks a lot about community, right? 
you're talking more about how do you get people interested in like doing like a real um, almost lean startup approach of like build, measure, learn on um, build, measure, learn on the, the message you want to put out there and the kind of conversation you want to start. Um, where do you net out on the difference, right? And like, what's the value from one versus the other? That's a great question. Um, for us, like we almost like look using community as a driver for growth is is a bit of a of a new thing for us. Um, of course, it's like for, especially over the last last year, about year and a half, it's been one of those things that's like super top of mind for people. Like especially when we look at the world of Web three and such, so many. So much of your success is, is dependent on the community that you build. Um, and, and that community uh, almost bringing, like you almost have like evangelists within that community that bring in new new members and such. Uh, like we're, we're built on top of uh, Terra blockchain and you have the community of lunatics, uh, Luna being um, one of the base tokens of, of the ecosystem. And I remember like it was this kind of crazy lunatic who brought me into the ecosystem and like helped me understand everything. And so like for us, like as a as a as a company, like we're we're trying to figure out what are the implications for this as as our own business. We've always been like one to infiltrate communities uh in order to grow. Um, but it's still been like a one-to-one type of uh relationship. I think the like really interesting thing we're finding with like our early like test within this idea of like using community to drive growth is um, the exponential factor is significantly greater within communities. Like you almost have one person buy in fully, then they bring two of their friends, then they bring two of their friends. And you have a, a really fast growing machine, uh, but it's it can also be very fickle. And like it, we're already finding like if uh, one authenticity is at the at the core of all of these communities, and if people feel like you're not being as fully authentic with them or they feel like you're not uh, um, feel as if you're uh, uh, oh, I guess like almost within any other like societal group of people together if there if there feels like the sense of um, it's it's work it's a relationship and if they're not feeling like you're building and, and really investing into that relationship then things can go cold very quickly and actually this community that you built to help drive growth can actually be the same community that like turns against you and and and, and kills the platform so uh, it feels like a bit of a double-edged sword there and that's why we've been trying to figure out if we're if we're going to do this and use this as a as a method to drive growth we really need to be uh, very intentional and and uh thoughtful about how we go about doing so. You mentioned something in there that was quite interesting to me. And I know our focus today is on growth and you know, customer acquisition, but you said that, you know, the reason you were using, uh, you know, the Terra platform to, to actually build your company was that there was a lunatic who brought you in, explained it to you. And that just, you know, it, it jumped out the idea that when we're talking to Vernon, we're talking about community in terms of customers. There's also a community uh, in terms of other founders, other business people, you know, other ways to grow your business. So even though you might not have benefited from community or you know, directly tried to build a community for the product, is there a community that you're a part of potentially, you know, with Mac, with other people, uh, is there a community that's helped you actually just grow your business as a start or as a founder? 
Pardon this interruption, but it's time for a commercial break. Dell for Entrepreneurs is offering free startup IT consultations exclusively to inside listeners. Visit dell.com forward slash inside to apply today. Dell's design team is eager to hear about the proprietary software and applications that you're working on. They have a team that can take your software or application and customize a system with your logo on it, helping you to build a better brand. They know that you're looking to take your product to market with just the right services, support, and technology to help differentiate it and increase its potential for success. Partnering with Dell OEM, you can design the right combination of capabilities to do just that. Whether you need a new computer to separate your work from personal life or a fully customized solution, Dell for Entrepreneurs is here to help. Visit dell.com forward slash inside or call 844-996-2142. That's 844-996-2142 to start your journey. Nearly everyone has dealt with formatting CSV or Excel files, so data can be imported into an application. Companies of all sizes spend a crazy amount of time and effort trying to fix this problem. Typical solutions include CSV templates, emailing Excel files back and forth, or hiring expensive implementation teams. It's a pain. Our friends at Flatfile are working on Concierge, a no-code collaborative workspace for onboarding data. Invite customers to securely import, format, or merge spreadsheet data. No more messing around with annoying, time-consuming workarounds. Flatfile is on a mission to help companies save time and money so you can focus your resources on the things that really matter to your customers. Curious about how they can help your business? Visit flatfile.io. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, big one is like Y Combinator community. Like uh, founders, even at the size of YC today, are uh, are some of the most helpful uh, people. You say you're a YC company and your your batch number and an email subject line and nine times out of 10, you'll get a response within 24 hours or less has like been our, uh, has been our, our um, is what we've found whenever we're, we're chatting with other folks and whether it's like, Hey, like we're really trying to make this higher. What do you think about this person? Or, Hey, like, where can I source folks? Um, that community has been amazing. Uh, the other communities within like uh, being a portfolio company of some of our other investors and such, um, those communities are also very helpful in like understanding from a customer acquisition standpoint, like, Hey, like, uh, if for us, like a lot of, um, a lot of our investors are thesis driven. And so the, uh, the companies that they back tend to look like us in, in a certain way from like a customer demographic standpoint. And so we're able to find out reaching out to other portfolio companies and saying, Hey, like, how did you guys think about this campaign or how did you guys think about this specific acquisition channel has been really helpful. And, and us also, um, us also refining our own acquisition efforts. Uh, but, but, but yeah, like it, I'm trying to think if I had to start from scratch again and rebuild a acquisition program for an early stage B2C company, what I would do um, if I've been lucky to be backed by uh like we have some cash on hand um, and I have some interesting investors on our cap table. I'd, I'd want first go and talk to every single founder 
of a port code that looks like mine uh, from a customer demographic perspective, ask them every single test that they ran for acquisition, um, uh, what worked, what didn't work. Um, I would go and look at uh, Facebook ad libraries for all of the my competitors, see like what is the messaging that they're putting out. Um, I would talk to some of my first users, uh, understand why are they paying for the, the service or why are they using the service. Um, uh, and then from there, like build like a list of almost every hook that I could possibly think of, of like the value that we're providing and um, maybe then take like a thousand dollars or so and test different messaging on, on Facebook ads, uh, going after my demographic, see which of those ads have the highest click through rate. So which of those ads are pulling people to the site the best, um, and then double down on that messaging with whatever channel that I, that I ultimately picked to, uh, to acquire folks from. That was like amazingly specific and actionable. Uh, thank you. Those are the, the best kinds of things we like to share with the community. And so, you know, you mentioned earlier that your company is now, you know, working with Terra, right? And more of a crypto product. So, you know, everybody's out here talking about Web3. They're talking about crypto. They're talking about DAOs. They're talking about DeFi. This is a little off topic, but, you know, as somebody who started a company pre-Web3 and is now having his company grow into Web3, one, what was the thought process of being a non-Web3 company to turning into a Web3 company? And, and, and what, do you, what do you think founders should be considering? Because, like, you know, very often we see things pop up and founders start moving towards the latest buzzword or the yeah. latest trend, Right. How do you think about Web3? And is that something that founders should be moving towards? Is it something that it's not for every business? Like, we'd love to get your thoughts on, like, what made you want to transition your company that way? What words of, of information would you give to founders out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, in the last, like, few years of building, I feel like we've lived through, especially within, like, pre, like pre-COVID to COVID era, the speed at which buzzwords like consume the mind of tech twitter like uh, has has definitely increased um i've seen a lot of folks uh almost get jerked around pivoting their company from uh there's isas were like the huge buzzword when we were going through yc in summer 19 to uh, creator economy was really big last year the revival of social or uh, even social fintech was a thing and now it's like uh, earlier this year is NFTs um, or now DeFi or Web3 and it's like I, I have no like judgment of good or bad on, on any of it um, my, my take on the world has always just been create a thesis of um, how, like ultimately what world I want to see like exist and just build towards that no matter what the latest buzzword of the day is um, like for, for us like I've actually been myself like a crypto native for uh, uh, for like a couple of years now, and um, to the point where I don't really interact with like fiat money for most of my day to day interactions within the financial world. Um, I pretty much only need to interact with fiat to pay my rent, and even then, I'm trying to convince my landlord to allow me to 
<laughs> set him set him up a wallet address so I can just send him USDC instead uh, or UST. But um, I guess like what what really drove it for us was like a lot of the core beliefs of shared ownership, um, and the 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 concept that like you as a as like as a user of Twitter. You generate a lot of value for for this platform, but you don't really end up getting a capture much of this value for yourself as a user. And um, and we think of like marketplaces like Airbnb. Like I remember, Airbnb had allowed their host uh, right before they went public to buy a, a piece of Airbnb stock um, uh, right before IPO day, uh, almost as like a way to say like, hey, thank you for helping us generate all this value for for the platform. Uh, we're now going to allow you to like capture some of that value back for yourself. Um, for us, like I think that's like I think that's like an inherently flawed way of of looking at the world. Like, can you actually create a world where the the platforms and the things that we generate value for, we also capture uh, uh, some of that value um, as as that thing continues to grow because of the value that we're adding to the to the ecosystem. And so I think like for that reason alone, DeFi was very very interesting to us. Um, uh, it's also very interesting to me as like a as a as a founder personally, um, uh, and then like we ultimately came back to our original thesis as well of like we want to create a world where interacting with money is easy. Like as a young person, you uh, for me like even what started this company was I went from being a seventeen year old kid terrified of asking my uh, friends to go to prom with me to shortly after having to figure out how to pay a $60,000 tuition bill. At the time, this felt like the two biggest problems in life. Now looking back, only one of those actually mattered in the long run. But we we created this like world where the financial decisions you make from 18 to 25 have such an outsized impact on, on the rest of your life um, simply because of the, the the concept of compounding interest. If you're on the winning side of compounding interest from an early age, then you get to keep winning. If you're on a losing side of compounding interest, then like usually keep losing. Uh, so our original thesis was always like, how can we make uh, interacting with money as a young person uh, really, really easy and, 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 and no longer stressful? Um, I've also been like very lucky like having building built and, and sold uh, projects like when I was a teenager where I had made money as a kid when I didn't really know the value of it. And uh, I always looked at kids at Chuck E. Cheese as um, when you think about how we should interact with money as, as humans, I always looked at kids as Chuck E. Cheese as like the, the, the model that we should all strive to be. Imagine being a young kid at Chuck E. Cheese hoarding all of these tokens. And then as soon as you leave Chuck E. Cheese, you realize they're they're worthless uh, versus like actually going and playing games with these tokens while you're there. And, and the whole idea is like money should enable you to go and play more games. But today we've like kind of skewed ourselves, uh, like screwed ourselves as adults being so focused on the accumulation of money and no longer on the actual life that you can live with it. Um, so you had all these kind of these core ideas about how the world should look like and um we've always been building towards that and when we realize like a lot of the core ideas and beliefs within DeFi uh mesh very well with how we think about the world it only made sense in fact even if we didn't want to work uh, and build in DeFi, it was like we were just lying to ourselves um and so uh 
yeah, it's, it's kind of how we, we came about. And then um, now, like, for us, what's amazing is that it enables us to, like, help people be on the right side of money from a young age, uh, help people get better yields than they, than they would be able to do so at their banks. Um, and actually, like, in our business model, uh, a lot of the yield that we're able to, to generate on deposits enables us to put a, a real human financial advisor in every single person's pocket. So you almost have this sense of a financial therapist helping you figure out this complicated world of money um, and someone you can text or FaceTime whenever you have specific questions. I want to take it back just a tone. I think that the idea is incredible. The vision is incredible. Uh, but going back to what you're saying just before that about, you know, Web3 and having, you know, the blockchain and the ability to have people invested in your company, to have people actually participate in the growth of the company instead of just being customers of the company. Uh, and tying that to what, you know, the core thesis here, which is how to grow, how to acquire customers, how to, how to build your business. Uh, how do you see Web3 and specifically people being bought into the success of the company as helping you ha build your business? And for a new founder who might be deciding, you know, should I build a SaaS product or should I build on the blockchain and have potential utility token where people are actually able to own part of the long-term value of the company? You know, when they're trying to make that decision, how does, how does one help you build your community, help you build your customer base and help you build loyalty to the company in the long term over the other? Yeah, a great, great question. I think like it's going to be one of the, um, one of the largest shifts that we see is like, uh, more and more companies are built on the ideals of, of Web3 is like now is a like we've actually been very specific since uh, the very early days of PATH is we uh, internally and externally we really try and avoid almost like very dislike the the idea of users um, as 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 the people who are as like describing the people who are uh, um, generating and and capturing value from the platform uh, in fact every single person uh, who, who pays for PATH today uh, is referenced as a member and it's looked at as, as a membership. Um, I, I, like we're, we're already starting to see it uh, in very early days, but I, I'm really excited to see uh, the effects as it scales of this idea that I owned, I owned PATH. Like um, as we get ready to launch the PATH uh, charge card and, and such, every single time someone swipes, uh, their 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 path card they will hopefully receive uh, the path governance tokens and this idea that as as I continue to create more and more value for 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 the path platform I am actually capturing that value with every single swipe and and that value is like value over the entire platform I am now like a co-owner of a path and we're really interested to see how does this look like to people talking to their friends like yeah, I, I'm part owner in this thing. You should come and join. You can also be an owner. And this idea of every single person who is generating and capturing value for, 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 for the company is, is, uh, is a co-owner of the company. Um, um, and so it, it, for us, it's like still, still very early days, but uh, I think it'll ultimately, like, as we're thinking about the ideas of community driving growth, we ultimately think like this idea of co-ownership or shared ownership uh, by every single person on the platform will like will will allow us to um, 
to, uh, I don't want to say like put growth on autopilot, but it should enable like network effects for us that, that every single time a new member joins, they're, they're the ones bringing new members versus us doing this one-to-one -one acquisition channel, like, like traditional uh, B2C acquisition before. Well, that's, I don't know, like my mind is like exploded like three or four times in this conversation. And that is a very interesting way to think about it. And, you know, I love how everything for you goes back to your original thesis or original thoughts about what you were building, right? Like all the changes and all the things you've done for the company are only to drive forward the mission you set out to do originally, right? I mean, you know, when people look at Facebook and they change their name to Meta or, you know, when Facebook bought Oculus, everybody's like, yo, what are they doing? Like Facebook's original mission was to try to connect everybody on the planet, right? And so they saw that virtual reality was going to be the next version of that. And then they see the metaverse is the realization of that, right? So Facebook changing their name to Meta is actually on brand because everything they've done is very authentic to the mission they were trying to solve. And that sounds to be the exact same for you and Path. So definitely appreciate that perspective. And so with that though, you know, I, I think we've given the people a lot of information to digest and man, was it fun and amazing to have you on family. Truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me and I uh, try and avoid, avoid uh, any public appearances, but always, always happy to do for you, Mark. See, I appreciate that. Thank you. Because not enough people know who you are and they should. But with, with that, I hope everybody enjoyed another amazing edition of Inside Business Podcast with me, your host, Mac, a.k.a. Mac the VC, and my co-host, Liam. Any last words for the folks, Liam? No, I, I want to uh, echo your thanks to Femi as well. Uh, really impressive, like, the stuff you've done so far, Femi. And I've got to say, one of the problems, so to speak, when we have a lot of guests on is they speak really high level. Like, it's all visionary uh, but you gave like very, very actionable, like someone could listen to this and they have just an idea and they could go and, you know, start acquiring customers within, you know, a few days. Like you gave very, very actionable, uh, low level feedback, which is uh, incredible to hear. He's still one of the most impressive founders I've ever met in my life. Like to this day, he's one of the smartest and most impressive people I've ever met. So thank you, sir, for being here. Thank you everybody for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you feel so kind, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all that good stuff. Let's trick these algorithms to let them know how great we are. Because, you know, the more subscribers and likes and all the comments and all the stuff we get, the more content we get to bring to you folks. We are content creators, so support us. All you gotta do is hit the subscribe button. That's all I need. So please do that for me. Uh, and so with that, everybody have a good one. Hope everybody's enjoyed their holidays. And by the way, shout out to Flat File and Dell for making this happen. Peace out, y'all. See y'all.